We can lick gravity, but sometimes the paperwork is overwhelming. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts in England and Sweden. Matthew Russell and Lindbold Christmas. Oh yeah. Vernon Braw. That quote just really threw me off guard. Yeah, well, I thought it was appropriate for rocket launching. And I guess we're going to talk a bit about that. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. Thank you very much to Justin Roberts and Drew Wright. Well, thank you so much, as ever, you two. And I'll read the rest of the patrons out at the end of the show. The Interplanetary Podcast is alive! Guess where I've just come back from? Oh my God, Matthew, where did you come back from? I just came back from... Europe's spaceport in French Guiana. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. How was it? Please tell us everything. Oh my god, it was so good. It was so good. It was just brilliant. So for those who didn't see it, I was I was the commentator on the European Space Agency's feed, their TV feed for the launch, the inaugural launch of the Vegas Sea Rocket. How cool is that? It's the most amazing thing. How how was it? When did you go there? What happened when you arrived? Talk us through frame by frame, second by second. Okay, so frame by frame. Yeah, so they asked me to do it. Well, obviously, Julio was definitely involved here. So Somehow, yes. <laughs> somehow. I, I hear that he's somehow involved with that <laughs> Somehow kind of involved. It was, it was, and I'll say this, it was brilliant to see Julio in his, in, in his working environment. He's a, he's like a beast. a fish in an aquarium. <laughs> yes. He's like a, he's a beast in his very, very, very professional. And i and before I go on, I'll have to say that the, the team that I work with out there, so there was Kelsey, Elodie, Julio, my Italian twin brother, Emilio, who was just, <laughs> it, it was an absolute... Separated at birth. Le- <laughs> we were separated at birth and then and, and spread across Europe. Uh, <laughs> like the parent trap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my co-host, Dante Gali, who was helping on the English feed. and yes, Sheila, she did a great who, job. Uh, amazing and Sheila who was over on the Italian feed were just they were just amazing they were just such a cool bunch of people so hold on do you want to maybe first talk about what Vegas C is and I think most people Uh, probably know this yeah so well so Vegas C yes is is the newest version of the Vega rocket so European Space Agency kind of has three rockets that it's been launching up its payloads with and and i say european space agency it's it's complicated and that's something you get a kind of feel for about like all the different players involved like ariana spass and 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 ariane group and 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 avio yeah yeah so there's lots so there's lots of people involved with it but i guess the european space agency's main thing is you've got to have a, a, a rocket that's capable of launching europe's payloads right so that so we exactly. taught on the program we talked a lot about this whole idea of europe having this ability to to independently launch its own yes. satellites right the access and to space the access to space and, and of course we we talked about it loads and really when people think about you know rocketry they keep going to elon musk and and how he lands rockets and all that kind of and how cheap it is and etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's there's way more to it than that for the europeans in the fact that we can't yeah. we can't rely on the americans to launch our satellites you want some independent access to yeah, exactly as, as, a, as a continent 
And so that was that was super important. And one of the reasons why Vegas is this great improvement on Vega is 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 the fact that it's it's more versatile. In other words, it's just it it's just better is the actual reality. It can launch. It's way better. <laughs> it's just way better. It's 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 bigger. So it's 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 quite a bit bigger, and it's a sort of fifty percent improvement on how much payload it can actually get into space. So really, ultimately, that's all it's about, isn't it? It's it's about how much payload you can get into space. But also how accurately as well. So they've improved the upper stage so that it can put yeah. things into lots of different orbits really accurately as well. So that's that, that's the main difference between Vega and Vega C. But we had three rockets. So we've got Ariane 5, the, the Europeanized Soyuz, and Vega the original. So they're, they're the three yeah. workhorses that have been working. And that covers all the kind of payloads that you want from very small to medium to very large. Uh, mm-hmm. But so Ariane 5 is coming to the, and of course Ariane 5 launched the James Webb Space Telescope. Which, Thank goodness so, for that and did a fantastic job. And did an, un, like, did unbelievable, an unbelievable job. job and got it, to it, got it to its orbit with fuel to spare so that it's actually going to last longer than it would have done. Exactly. See, this is something that I didn't learn until quite late in my career that when you launch something into a specific orbit, it's not an exact, well, it's an exact science. It's literally rocket mm. science, but yeah. it's, we don't have that much control over it. And the analogy I've heard is that it's kind of like lining up a billard or a snooker ball. You line up your shot and you shoot it. And I mean, if it all goes to plan, it goes to plan. But it's not something that we can guarantee to the level of precision so that it's it's a n- zero error on it, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so the fact that, I mean, it, it feels like a hilarious concept that we're just like putting things as close as we can to a good orbit and just going like, yeah, fuck it, let's do this <laughs> and seeing how close it can go. But yeah, this is why then, I mean, making sure that we get a precise injection is such a huge deal. And yeah. Vega C, it's, it's like 800 kilos more payload. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, 50% more. Yeah, wow. and, and of course it, it can get it a lot higher as well, which was... Which which was really important, and it kind of is big enough now to replace the Soyuz, the European yeah. Soyuz, and 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 that is a stroke of luck, really, because of yeah. course yeah. that that's that launch system is now completely out of the window for the Europeans, yeah. because it, even though it was European run and out of out of Kourou, the European spaceport, it was Russian engineers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and, and the obviously collaboration a, is not yeah. yeah. And obviously, it's it's tragic, really, that the Russian collaboration has come to an end because that was one of the sort for of for the big, Russian people, yes, yeah, for the well, for everyone. I think you know, it's if we look at something like the International Space Station, Russia would, are withdrawing now in twenty twenty four, and 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 if we, you know, throughout the entire podcast, I've always bragged about how space is this unifying. This unifying force, yeah. and we, we all, yeah. anyway, we've we've always advocated for China to be part of the to be part Absolutely. of, the more of the everything merrier. we do. Yeah, more more the merrier. And the Europeans, of course, have trained with the Chinese and trained with the Russians, trained with the Americans. So, Absolutely. you know, it's in some ways Europe's led the way there. But it's it's a it, it's a real pity, isn't it, that 
I, that, that's come to an end. But in terms of our independent access to space, Vegasy couldn't have come at a better time, <laughs> really, yeah, because 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 it is it does replace that and Ariane six because Ariane six has got yes. two versions. You you've got one that launches with two boosters and one that launches with four. So with yeah. four boosters, it can get to ridiculously big objects into very high orbit. <laughs> Whereas with yeah. with the two, I mean it that surpasses Soyuz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way, easily, way passes. Easily. Yeah. So, but the top end of Soyuz's performance would be the bottom end of Ariane 6's, and the bottom end of Soyuz would be the top end of Vega's. Vega's. Yeah. So, so, so the, the range is covered. Let's say. Yeah. So, so the range is covered now. So that was. So that's kind of where Vega C sits. And of course, there's there's some niggling little things, and we didn't talk. We obviously didn't talk about this at the launch, but it's worth mentioning. <laughs> oh, what are you going to say? You, <laughs> well, there, there was a there was a few things. Obviously, you 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 don't really want to kind of annoy people, but it, but it came up in the press conference that the mm. the that the main upper stage, the Avum, has a Ukrainian built engine. Right, uh, and of course that that is that's troublesome in the fact that who knows when Ukraine are going to be back to normal. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. The, in the old Vega, the fuel tanks were Russian, but they're now German mm. in the improved Avum. So okay. that was a, so that was a major win <laughs> because <laughs> because right now that that would be a very serious situation. So they'd, all, they'd, they'd already been moving in the right direction there in terms yeah. of getting getting all under a European roof, and it's and it and it really has involved way more European countries than before. So there was oh a, by a long shot, yeah, absolutely. Bit, yeah, so there's lots and lots of different countries that are involved. Uh, and like even Ireland, even Dublin, they they make the telemetry system. <clears throat> and Sweden. <clears throat> and Sweden, yeah, Sweden. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> we so told. yeah, yeah, but yeah. What which bits to sweet? Which which bits to Sweden do? Where's um, your little flag? If I flag? remember correctly, I think it is um, the uh, payload onboard adapter, computer. Some, the onboard no. computer, even. Yeah, the, the payload adapter, the vam, yeah. the vampire, the vampire, very badass. And the onboard computer—that's that's pretty significant. You're welcome. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, I well. myself did it. You know, yeah. it's kind of like it's, you know when you know when people have a football team and they're mm. like, "Yeah, we did really well today," and they like insert themselves into the collective pronoun. Yeah, I, I think we, me, did a really good job at the, yeah, <laughs> the onboard well, computer and payload adapter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I believe it's thirteen countries in total that that took part in this one, which That's is more, amazing. Which is more than which is more than before, and obviously yeah. it's got a much bigger it's got a much bigger payload fairing as well. Which was and as always, sorry, I was just about to say, which was hilarious for this launch because the object going into space was tiny but very <laughs> dense. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and so we, you've got this massive fairing and, and virtually nothing inside. It's something there's knuckling like, <laughs> about. It's yeah. like when you order things on Amazon and you get this huge parcel, and then it really was that. It was. <laughs> It really was the ridiculous oversized box from Amazon yeah. and opening it up and finding, well, it was like, yeah, it's like finding a little tiny pea in inside a kinder surprise egg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was, but it also, was good. Also for, for the number of countries that would contribute, I mean, I would also argue that actually every ESA member state is in a way involved because of all the staff and all the people that are involved as well. And they come from all kinds of different countries. And, you know, uh, the if you have ESA engineers who are working on this, then they can come from any of the member states. So it really, I think even even um, people from, from uh, ESA member states that aren't 
immediately on the project, like, of course, we are all contributing, which is the nice thing about, about ESA, I think. Yeah, I mean, ESA really is one of my favourite institutions, and I'm Me not too. even being—I'm not even being silly. You know, it's—it's it's not about because it's outside of the EU. It's so like yeah. obviously a lot of people I think may have thought that Britain had withdrawn when yes. we withdrew from the EU, which of course is nonsense. We're still like one of the major kind of contributors. Yeah, absolutely. And Norway is on it in in ESA. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and even Canada has sort of loose exactly. associations with with. And Europeans. there are EU. And there are EU countries that aren't in ESA, for example. Yeah. So it's it's <laughs> yeah. really it's really outside. And this is also like uh, in sort of ESA communications, we have to be very careful. Like, no, don't use the EU flag emoji. Like, <laughs> it's not the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Just oh my god! On. Yes, that that really is a big a big no no. Yeah, I mean it's it's like I said at the beginning, it it is quite complicated the story of all the different people involved and and. Yeah. And, and all the companies involved as well. Because obviously one of the major companies involved with this in terms of building the thing and putting yeah. it all together and testing it is this company Avio, who are yeah. Italian. So yes. really, the, the, you know, the Italians share the bulk of, this, of, yeah. of, <laughs> of what's going on with this rocket. It really, you know, you, you could call it an Italian rocket, but obviously yeah. there's lo lots of other countries involved <laughs> in, in making well, it. That's the thing. And like, I, 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 from a science communication perspective, I do understand that a lot of Italians are so proud and they're like, look, is this Italian rocket? And I don't want to be like, well, actually, I think you'll find the 2.29%. Yeah. It's it, like, it's, yeah. I get it. It's, it's, it's like a, culturally an Italian rocket, I was going to say. Um, but I think um, maybe a lot of people don't realize that Vega, even the, 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 um, rocket before Vega C, the Vega OG, let's say, mm. um, which has been around since 2012, like it has been a huge part of sort of Italian space industry pride. Um, so it's very understandable that people associate it with Italy, let's say. Um, and I'm I'm very happy to call it a, an Italian rocket uh, as long as there's an asterisk <laughs> where people understand yeah. that it is still an ESA rocket. But I mean, well, yeah, it's it's. Well, it's, it's again, it's another beautiful collaboration across lots exactly. of different places, and and lots of you know, this this rocket is, you know, generations of skills as well. Yeah, you know, it yeah. probably you know, bits of it bits of it will go back ages and ages and ages back to yeah. Other, yeah. other parts of of when other projects, the other European projects that that go back to Blue Streak and things like that, where where it's like you're, you're trying to do stuff. But yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, it's a really great, it's a, it's a great project. And of course it's, you know, you, it, it's silly to talk, talk of it in terms of being a competitor to Elon Musk because it, it's, it's not it's that at all. not the same market really kind of, I mean, it is and no. it isn't, but I mean, the point, the point of having European rocks, I've heard, I've heard, uh, one of the few arguments that, that sort of gets, gets under my skin <laughs> are people taking the angle of, oh, well, Elon Musk is building really good rockets, so why does Europe even bother making rockets if they're not even reusable? And yeah, that's, it's, I think it's, it's a little bit like comparing, I actually, I remember once someone saying, I don't remember who it was, or I would accredit it to them rightly, so uh, something along the lines of, uh, uh, why are you investing in public transport buses? Elon Musk has a Ferrari that's way better than your bus. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the, the sort of sentiment behind it is that the, the European rockets 
that we have a lot of their, I would, I think uh, a majority of their payloads are sort of science payloads and, you know, uh, earth observation satellites and a lot of these that sort of fill a, a purpose hmm. um, in the kind of things that we as, as well, if you're from a European member state, then you're, what your taxpayer money uh, is going to. Um, and and it, it fills a function that isn't just let's build cool big new rockets. <laughs> yeah, um, well, well they're inst- what's known as institutional payloads, aren't they, really? Exactly. And, 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 and it does also offer it up to, you know, to universities and yeah. CERN and people like that who all had payloads on this very first rocket as well. Exactly. That's something that, you know, uh, people from uh, ESA member states, God, it is harder to say people from ESA member state countries. I want to say yeah. Europeans, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but people people, people from uh, European Space Agency member state countries uh, should be bearing <laughs> this in mind that their sort of university students and, 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 and their smaller startups and all these things, having um, ESA rockets like Vegacy do give, when we say access to space, it is access for you and for those people, um, mm. access to space. So I think it's and, great. I, I, I love it, you say, I love Ariane. Yeah, yeah, and and what and what made and what made this um, launch really cool and different to, to yeah. normal co- uh, launches that you see, particularly for a long time, actually, is that this one was really under the it it was being managed by ESA, so you know, yeah. as in the European Space Agency. So normally it would be Ariana Spass that would be looking after the the launch sure. itself. I mean, again, it gets really complicated, doesn't it? That the handover <laughs> yeah, the of, uh, on the launch and, the... <laughs> and at the moment of launch, it goes to someone else. But uh-huh. anyway, anyway, so, but it's, but yeah, Generally because European, speaking. because it's an inaugural launch, they're actually, not only are they launching a payload, but really the mission is about testing the rocket. Whereas exactly. now, now it'll just be about launching payloads for clients yeah. Yeah. and they can be commercial, they can be institutional, et cetera, Anything. et cetera. But this one was all about launching a rocket to see if the rocket worked. Yeah, so the rocket that, itself so, was a bit of the payload. <laughs> yeah, the rocket itself is the payload. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, how, how, how well is it going to perform all the way up? And of course, some bits had never flown before. So the P120C, what was brilliant about that was that it was a double, it was a double whammy. So we yeah. mentioned this, Dante Gali put it really well. It, it, it's the fact that it's, it's part of the Ariane 6 as well. And so without even flying Ariane 6, parts of the Ariane 6 are already, exactly. flight, are already flight qualified. So it's like, yeah, we know that that, we know that, that bit works Good, now. Great. It's done. It's done. <laughs> and the Zephyro 40 as well, which was a new stage, you know, much bigger yeah. than the second stage on, on the... Um, original Vega that yeah. that was you know that that got qualified at the same time and so yeah. it, it's it's there was loads of things in there that were yeah really important you know and, and for an inaugural launch it went really really well were there any errors any sort of mishaps or hiccups I don't remember well, that there be well there were this was interesting actually we had a sort of discussion about do you uh, at the end of it when the payload has been delivered do yeah. you call it a nominal you know, that flight was nominal. You know, we've had a successful mission. And it's yeah. like, you might not. The actual reality is, until you've got all the data down and you're pouring yeah. through the data, <laughs> you might you might find something that you might go, actually, this really wasn't nominal. Yeah, and, the, and, and, and that the flight computer or the, you know, because the flight computer does loads of things as well. Like, it, it, mm. it would, if something's going wrong, the flight computer 
will will try and the Swedish on board computer. The the Swedes <laughs> <laughs> so clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the programming, that whoever does the programming for it, the actual flight software, if, yeah. if, if things go out of kilter, it will still always try and complete the mission as best as it, best it can. Oh, <laughs> so, 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 like, if, if, if a stage massively underperforms and you're way off target, yeah. it will still carry on going. And, and, we, and so we were <laughs> unsure like whether... Yeah, well, well, exactly. Well, it's uh, the flight. We were still unsure whether the flight director would call it an end of mission, which was right. one of those things where you'd be watching the screens. You think I've got to say something because it's mass. <laughs> it's massively under the nominal curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you know, if if you say something, then you know what you know is that is that then going to you've got to be careful that you're not speculating as well God. you can't you know because you don't know whether it's the data coming down or the way that the pro the data's being processed there's lots of lots of different reasons yeah so you can't just sort of rattle off any old oh it might be this you yeah. know, I, I, <laughs> it, probably this whatever it's probably this i really did have to you know that was me going against my comfort zone. I love a bit of speculation, but uh, yeah, it was. Really, God, but it was you know. so stressful. I'm glad that when if if I mess up my programming, it's like oh no, this planet is a bit blurry. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. That's the, like the level. Planet emergencies don't happen that often. Yeah, well, I've, it seems to me that like rockets, that the most common one is an overflow. Where like yeah. a, well, like where where one one of the sensors gives too much too much information to the computer and it and doesn't know what to do with it and it goes oh no and you get like litho breaking on Mars yeah, and God. and rockets I mean, turning they're, they're the wrong way they're literally like little bombs exploding in a controlled manner <laughs> yeah it's, pretty, it's exactly. pretty terrifying it's like well, no, yeah. no, it is exploding but in the right direction so it's fine then we call I, it thrust. <laughs> It's it's quite funny when I said I was going to when I said I was going to French Guiana to do this launch, mm. and people were saying who's going to be on board, and and I suddenly realised like often the general public think that people fly Gosh, the rocket, yeah. That's, and yeah, it's just like, like the pilot. It, it, there's a there's a pilot, and of course, good afternoon, there, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to French Guiana Airlines. <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the Vega C. We'll yeah. be cruising at twenty Our times faster than a fighter jet. <laughs> yeah, at a lovely altitude of two hundred fifty kilometers. Oh yeah, well this one was like just under just shy of five thousand kilometers. Oh, was it? What was it? Five thousand eight hundred ninety-three kilometers. Very high. <sighs> That's too high, probably. <laughs> what, what, what are airline? What are airlines like? What twelve or something? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near that. <laughs> not not quite that high. I think not, not I think the oxygen masks of... would drop at that point. Probably yes. Uh, well, it's game over. Jet Wings engines don't probably not. Jet work. engines definitely don't work at that end at that height. But <laughs> really. it, it's it, you couldn't even fly it with a joystick. You know, you, you could yeah, not right. fly. You know, so the the avionics and the and the uh, and the computer work very, very fast to make all the adjustments and having to make adjustments continually to yeah. compensate for crosswinds and all those kind of things, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, it's, you know, nothing really stops a rocket, like the, the high winds thing. So the, it, when you're watching, there's a weather warning. Yeah. And that the weather warning- The one that warning, keeps going red. It goes red occasionally. Oh, and they okay. put, they have to put up weather balloons. Yeah. And it takes some time for it to come back. And you've got this two-hour window and you've got to put up weather balloons. You've got to get the information yeah. The weather back. was good. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, you have, it, it's... But the reason why the crosswinds are important, the rocket will be fine. 
Like as in yeah. that would just zip through a crosswind. It doesn't matter, you know, because it's yeah. <laughs> it's going very fast. So a crosswind doesn't matter. What why that matters is if if you have to blow the rocket up because it's going off course. Yeah. You don't want the crosswinds, the very high winds, to blow right. dangerous debris onto, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On, onto anywhere that might be bad, like a yeah. town or a. I also love that what? we also glossed over like if you have to blow it up. Yeah, you know, something that happens. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a, there is a range safety officer who has yeah. his, you know, hand on the button. I do not want that, that job. No, do you know what? It's it's really stressful because they've got to sit there and go. Do I do it? And then, because and because imagine if the telemetry is coming back and it's yeah. the way that the telemetry is being um, processed and not the actual telemetry, you might yeah. blow up a, a rocket that's performing perfectly well, which which you don't want to do, particularly if it's got James Webb on it. Yeah. I mean, literally, <laughs> oh, there's no. some... Oh, my heart can you is imagine? picturing that. No, I, I, I genuinely can't. I struggle to choose crisp flavors in the supermarket. Like that can take me a good 15 minutes. You might have to make the choice to press a button to to blow up James Webb. I mean, Uh, oh my God, based on a win. I'm so happy that (laughs) launch is over. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that sort of adds to the extra stress of it, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, so it it was incredibly high launch, this one. Yeah, Yeah. And I guess one of the reasons is it tests the capability. Yeah. But one of the other reasons was the original Vega had the Laris One satellite on board. Yeah, and so that so the Laris One was this, which which I think is I think Laris One is the densest object in Earth orbit. So <laughs> what it's a cool it's like title. yeah, it, it's 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 a small. I thought mirror. I was the densest object, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the densest object <laughs> in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're oh, not yeah. in orbit. You, as soon as you go into orbit. Okay, <laughs> then, bit, then I'll take that place. If, yeah. if I go into orbit, then I'll, I'll surpass that. Yeah, so okay, fine. sold, yeah. <laughs> so, but the, it's, it's, so the original Laris is smaller, but actually heavier than Laris 2. Wow, okay. So Laris 2 is a bigger, slightly bigger kind of, bit bigger than a, than a, than a beach ball, whereas yeah. Laris 1 was a bit smaller than a beach ball. But Laris 1 was That's like- tiny quite a bit heavier was what was like almost yeah. 400 kilograms whereas laris 2 is only 300 kilograms that's still very heavy 300 kilograms a horse yeah, yeah. like a, the weight of a horse packed down into a beach ball so it's yeah. still very very heavy and it's to launch these objects into an unbelievably circular orbit and the, the whole idea of these objects is to measure gravity is to measure the effects of gravity yeah so the it, it can be done better at this much higher altitude, and because there's no electronics on board, you can you can put it into the Van Allen belts, so it doesn't matter. So right. you're putting this satellite into into a very very high <laughs> orbit, uh, but and, and like you could say, oh, if you put other satellites there, it'd be disastrous because they'd be fried. Mm, right, pretty, right, right. They'd be fried pretty quickly because it's yeah. a horrible hell on earth place to go. <laughs> that particular orbit, this like. One's fine. At, you know, a lot of conspiracy theorists will, will will maintain that you can't fly through them because they're that bad. Of course, they're not because the Apollo astronauts did. But it yeah. is quite bad. It's, <laughs> it's not, still, it's quite, still not good. It's, not, it's definitely not good. You want to yeah. get through them as quickly as possible. Yeah. But that's but that this Laris two is sitting there. But it's a passive satellite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's it's like a cannonball covered in mirrors, basically. <laughs> Great description. Uh, so yeah. So there's no there's no. 
There is no um, electronics on board. And I mean, really, six, nearly 6,000 kilometers um, as mm-hmm. an orbit. It, it really is very high. You know, when we talk about low Earth orbit, th- we're talking about like less than 500 kilometers. And this is like yes. 10 times, so more than 10 times that of the upper bound. Yes, about, yeah, it's about 400 kilometers where the International Space Station is. Yeah, I think so. So it's 10 times higher. Yeah. <laughs> Way and over I mean, 10 you times know, higher. We, and we do, we do have things that are even further out uh, than that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, still, it's still pretty high. Well, yeah, I mean, the geostationary is higher than exactly. that. Exactly. But the, so like, so yeah, Ariane 6, for example, has to take very large payloads to yeah. much higher than that to geostationary orbit. Yeah. But the, but this this is going in a very circular orbit and it's a cannonball. It's got 303 mirrors on it. And yeah. those mirrors, off, they're off the shelf, apparently, these components. They, they, <laughs> what, the, like the, IKEA the, mirrors? Uh, yeah, you could just buy them off the shelf. <laughs> I'm assuming they're specialized off the shelf, but still off the shelf. They just bought like a bunch of Claire's accessory makeup mirrors and just smashed <laughs> yeah. them. They just Super bought them glue. off a, mi- a mirrorball company. Yeah. <laughs> mirrors are no, us. But, yeah. that retro reflectors that that so <laughs> you know there's that there so it's reasonably cheap i guess but the it's yeah. the italian space agency have built us have built this thing and they built the original that went on the original vega so the vega inaugural launch had a laris laris 2 yes, is on the vega and one of the reasons why you would have that kind of load is because they're passive so there's no electronics to shake to death so if sure. it turns out that if your rocket has more of an acoustic load inside the payload, and that and, and this acoustic load is yeah, how much it vibrates, how much the sound bounces off the launch pad back into the fairings, all those kind of things. Yeah, it doesn't. You can measure that and go, oh my god, that's a bit high. We need to do something about that right, on the right, inaugural right. launch. Little dress rehearsal. But it's, yeah, it's a little dress rehearsal, but it's not going to damage your passive satellite. Right. So 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 they managed to launch this Laris two. So Laris two, the reason why it's so heavy is because they fire lasers from the ground and they can measure. In, my, in the broadcast, I said it, it's, can you imagine you can measure it within one centimetre? In the, in the press afterwards, he confirmed it was within one millimetre. So even though it's, even though it's 5,000 kilometres high, yeah. <laughs> you can measure how far away it is to the nearest millimetre using lasers, right? And so as it, as it orbits the Earth, it's in this incredibly circular orbit and the only thing that's really altering its orbit is the slight change in gravity around yeah. it, right? So it's like tiny. So not only you, you can measure it's like geo- bobbing on a on a wave. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's going around bobbing on a wave. And so one thing you can look at is kind of the the unevenness of Earth's gravity for a start. Right. Off. So yeah. you could you can look at that. And oh, by the way, not only is it very high out the way of any other satellites, really, it's also a weird inclination as well. So it's <laughs> it's not quite sun synchronous. It's not really anything, but yeah. it, and and therefore it's also out of Just the way of other. Yeah, so it's living its best life. Nothing really <laughs> in the way of it. It's not yeah. go. So so it's not being perturbed by anything. And one of the things it's Perfect. so it's not being perturbed by other satellites. So c- it's not. Yeah, it's not being perturbed by. Um, Things like atmospheric drag. It's not being yeah, perturbed by things like um, that. F- 
the that I can't remember it's called now the Zakowski effect where where one sure. side heats up and it and it yeah, starts to move away you know the one that I have moves degree, the, yeah the the one the, the <laughs> one that all, moves one a, of them. there's a bunch the one that the one that moves asteroids out of the asteroid yeah, sure. belt that that one and and it's so there's and the solar wind it's not affected by that it's not affected by radiation it just yeah. moves in this thing and and the reason why you need it to be so accurate is because it's measuring this thing called frame dragging which is which is which is part of what Einstein predicted in general relativity. And it's basically the Earth causes a gravitational field, and that field is static. But the thing causing it, the Earth, isn't static, so it's moving right. around within its own static gravitational yeah. field. And, and the whole it kind plate of, is moving. <laughs> yeah, and so the, the, the frame of reference is almost being dragged around as the Earth yeah. spins. And that's, that's, you know, if you follow the maths, you should be able to see that effect. Yeah. And so that's what they're trying to measure. And it's, you know, it's a yet another kind of way of measuring the accuracy of general relativity. You know, this theory that's been around for over 100 years now and yeah. still <laughs> keeps being right no matter it what you do. Just, yeah, whatever <laughs> it keeps you on giving, it. keeps on giving. Yeah, whatever you throw at this thing. And, you know, so it's going to measure that. And it's really important because the one thing that where you can really see its effect is things like colliding black holes. So yeah. the colliding black holes and, and what LIGO sees and how you interpret yeah. those signals coming into LIGO, you would need yeah. to know really, you yeah. know, how how to effectively measure frame dragging. So, yeah. you know, the, even though it's an inaugural launch, this does seem to be a pretty neat little satellite. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if you're going to do measurements about gravity on Earth, you need to know what Earth is doing with gravity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah, it, the longer yeah. short of it <laughs> yeah ex ex exactly and and also i guess you get information about like all these kind of the the way that the earth's gravity is actually set and so you can yeah. plan satellite missions better etc cetera, etc cetera, because you know what the gravity is like around yeah. earth so that so it's a neat little thing now the extra bonus was there were six little cube sats yeah, I was going to ask. So the, there were there were more than just one play, payload. Yeah, so you've got this you've got this major payload, like the primary payload. Yeah. And when the that queen. was released, yeah, when that was released, you get you got all the Avio guys and uh, lots of the people there and all the Laris 2 uh, Italian Space Agency people. They were all jumping up and down in glee because for for them that really was That was the they went home afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well it was the rocket tested and the, yeah. and and everything else and and the payload released and in the right orbit etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So there was a lot of joy. However, I you know that for me actually I found that that the CubeSats just as exciting. I thought they there were some really cool missions in the CubeSat yeah. ones. Like and the way that they chose those missions, you know, they sort of said, "Who wants to put a CubeSat on this inaugural launch?" Yeah, and it's like we're we're going to the Van Allen Belt, so this is going to be hideous hellhole radiation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they so they you're beginning of an Indiana Jones movie, like we're going to yeah. do this terrible thing. We have no equipment. It's super dangerous. Who's in? And everyone goes, "Yeah, who's in? <laughs> yeah, we're in." So it's like, well, yeah, let's let's send up a bunch of let's send up a bunch of CubeSats yeah. that actually use that orbit. Well, right, that, as that in, want to let, go let, there. yeah, let's have a look at this orbit. And they so they dip down to a slightly lower orbit to get it out of the way of Laris two because the yeah. CubeSat is the opposite to this cannonball. They 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 do get <laughs> spun around by things like yeah, and they probably don't the, want so, that to smash into them. <laughs> exactly. So they so getting the it out. So, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So they they 
they're stuck in the same inclination because the one thing you really can't change is your inclination. When no, you, when, no, that's when, fine. when the moment that's chosen, you're kind of stuck there without enormous yeah. energy to change it. Yeah. So they dip it lower down. So 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 they're in lower orbit. These cubesats. And there was things like plants. So little plants growing on a cubesat to see the effects <gasps> really? of radiation. Yeah, oh, I, love I mean. That. Yeah, and, and there was consumer electronics to see how long, you know, certain chips will last in radiation. Yeah. Low, so those were the sort of, you know, payloads that were going into this radiation <laughs> hellhole. So, again, a bunch of CubeSats flown by, you know, people like yourself, you know, uh, you know, postgrads at, 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 yeah, at really uh, stuff, good yeah. uh, researchers at, at universities who, I mean, I, ca- I cannot think of anything cooler than watching the telly and seeing yeah. <laughs> seeing like a few years of research being launched by a rocket into space and actually seeing your payload go into space. I, I, I genuinely think that's super cool what, that you look up at the night sky and go somewhere up there, yeah, insanely right high is, is my little CubeSat and here's the little signal that it's sending back yeah, down to me and so here's cute. the experiment. It is super did you, cute. Did you get emotional? Cool. Did you get emotional during the launch? Oh, I, I, absolutely. Do you know what was really good about it? And I have to say, this is... It was a real personal experience for me. In, in fact, when I first started there, because this, this we, I had to do a week of rehearsals. Yeah, wow. We, we, they, they worked us to the bone. <laughs> they, it was hard work. It was really hard work. Towards the it, end, it was like Morse code blinking SOS. Yeah, like. uh, uh, yeah. so, you know, we started early and we finished late. Yeah. Um, um, and we parted hard. You know, they, <laughs> it was really great. They were honestly such a great piece, lot of people to work for. The yeah. Really, really talented, really hardworking, really kind Aww. of on it. None of us had any cr- sort of cross words. We all got on with it. They were super nurturing and nice to me. You know, because so when nice. I started, I was terrible. But by the time, it, but once I'd got caught up in the excitement of it, I started to yeah. be much. I thought I, I thought I was getting much better <laughs> for better. I thought at you it. did a great job. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Do you know what? I actually, do you know, I, I felt like I, 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 I got through it and and did a good, good. job. Uh, you know, and it was like uh, when I first started, I was thinking, oh my god, I'm going to be terrible. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Let me go so, home. Because Emilio was such a pro, like that yeah. guy is like, he, he's like a real pro at, at doing that kind of stuff. And yeah. I could hear him in the other commentary booth. I was going, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be terrible. But yeah, so it, it, but yeah, during the launch, obviously I had Dante next to me and Sheila yeah. was in the other box. And of course they're, they're connected to the project. Yeah, Sheila's an actual engineer on the, on the rocket and, and Dante, yeah. Dante is the head of the space rider program. So he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. he's totally, he's, he, he was there at Vega, cried at Vega when it was launched there yeah, because he's part of that team, you know, and he was in the commentary box with me. You could really feel the emotion and we, yeah, you know, the, the, the fact that the, the do, do you know, here's a fact that, that, that was odd was Vega has never had a, during the countdown, yeah, has never has never had a pause in the countdown. Really, and so that yeah, so this was the first time that had happened, <gasps> and like it was like oh no, no, no. and and I, and I tell you personally, <laughs> I was going, this is a nightmare because I've obviously taken time off work, and actually. <laughs> And actually, I couldn't afford it not to be like launched Today, then and yeah. then. I was like thinking, <laughs> oh my God, if I if I have to phone up my boss and say, I've got to stay in South America for another week, <laughs> I'm You're, doomed. You won't have a job to go back to. <laughs> so so, so I, I, I went down to the flight director and said, this has got to fly whether yeah. whether it's... <laughs> and then the flight director was like, fair enough. Okay, I'll, I'll fair give you enough. Matt, Matt, 
he actually went Matt round to, to everyone. So <laughs> Matt needs to go home. So we're going to get this off the ground, regardless. Yeah. yeah. So it. So there was two. There was two holds on it, and, and so we got right to the wire with the final <laughs> part of the launch window, which was thirteen minutes past thirteen on the thirteenth. Lucky thirteen. And lucky thirteen for Italians. For for the for the British, thirteen is a terribly unlucky number. The Italians apparently it's lucky. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Then that's why it worked. <laughs> and that's why it worked. So, yeah, so yeah it no was problem. 13, 13. It was 13, 13, 13 yeah. eventually. UTC, How, I'll point that out. Not, not local UTC, time. yeah. How was it arriving there? Like the experience, you know, did you did you get to see some of the other things on the spaceport? Like, did you get to do some sightseeing, let's say? I, I Do you know what? I, I went there four years ago, almost exactly to the day oh, to cool. see to see the P120 being tested. Oh, the firing test. Oh, God, the firing test. How long ago the, it was? Goodness gracious. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so I yeah, so so that was 4 years ago and I went there and but it happened a week after I was there. <laughs> so oh. I didn't get to see that, but <laughs> I did get I did get a sort of guided tour of all the facilities. And I, so yeah. I wrote I wrote an article for Spaceflight magazine and oh, cool. and I and talked about it on the podcast as well. So, yeah, that was that was absolutely amazing. I got to go to the Vegas launch pad while yeah. the rocket while the rocket was in the mobile gantry. Ah! Didn't get to go inside the mobile gantry. Did you gantry. get to touch it? I, I, if only Sheila did. Lick so it. Sheila got so I went with Sheila and Sheila Sheila went in and you you see her touching the fairing uh, as part of the introduction. That was so but we weren't allowed in so me and Emilio sort of just stood outside. But yeah. it's the classic, you're only allowed like sort of 10 to 20 people on site because if it does blow up, you're, you're all goners. But <laughs> they want to minimise the, the amount of they, death. And so, yeah, so, so they want to minimise the amount of death. Yeah, so there, there is, there's always a maximum amount of people that's ever allowed at any one site on the, on the, on, at the spaceport. I guess that is a good idea, but I can't, it doesn't feel like a good idea because it's making me think about people dying. So I don't know how to yeah, feel about yeah. that. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think the the risk is like very, very low. But has what it was ever funny happened? is, I think no. So well, it has. Well, there was a South American one, wasn't there? There was a terrible. I think that's why it got brought oh, in. God, there was, yeah, there was, there, there was an awful one. Yeah, where lots of people did die. So yeah, so that, so that's one of the reasons why mm. they brought that in. Okay, but, not funny anymore then. No, well, well, what was funny was when Sheila went in. She had a bit of a delay because all the Italians that had gone down to help put the rocket together inside the mobile gantry. Mm. I make it sound very simple. Just put it together. <laughs> Obviously, it's not screw, simple. Top goes but, on the top. <laughs> yeah, top goes on the top, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In fact, there was a really good video of that that was part of the part of the launch campaign. You've seen yeah. it being assembled. And I, there was one bit where one bloke has his hands over the over the over the side over the side of the rocket while they're bringing down the next section, and it just it always made my legs go slightly wobbly <laughs> thinking about his fingers over the things. But anyway, oh th- they, there was a there was a tarantula spider in in the uh, mobile gantry, and everyone was like really scared of it. But all the locals were just shooing it away. It's like whatever. <laughs> so was, let him go on the rocket you know get some more uh biology testing of radiation <laughs> there's a plant in there why not <laughs> so yeah so so we did get we did get to go to bits and bobs of the bits and bobs yeah. of the of the site and obviously spending Gosh. we spent my i spent my entire time in the uh, in the jupiter control room which was which was pretty cool that's amazing. just wonder wandering around which is pretty an, a, a pretty iconic space episode one of interplanetary podcast did you foresee this happening <laughs> 
No, absolutely not. Oh my god, no, absolutely not. No, it was it was it was really really super. It was just super super cool. Yeah, I mean it, it was it was a real experience. It's totally totally cool. And I you know, it it couldn't have gone better as well and you could see how happy everyone was yeah. with the launch, you know. Everyone was, you know, I think I think the Vega team have had a bit of a kind of rough ride and they yeah. kind of said they said as much and it was like, you know, they 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 had all this success right at the beginning. Yeah. Then they had a then they had a couple of failures that yeah, I think I really knocked their confidence. Then of course you've got COVID. Of course, it's delayed, been a few years. Yeah, which which has delayed everything, and it's like I think for them it felt really, really amazing. You know, it was it was yeah. like the end of a European football match in there, like yeah. like in, inside the fishbowl. It was absolutely crazy. Like everyone was going mental jumping up and down doing a (laughs) and like jumping up and down it was really really like it was and it was really emotional and it was i have to say i was so buzzed while that while it was all going on it was absolutely it was that because i thought i was going to be absolutely terrified like just totally like oh my god i'm terrified but yeah i was i've completely taken over adrenaline's a hell of a drug you know yeah it was it was absolutely fantastic and this is the thing with um with with the space industry even as a whole i mean it's really high risk high reward on most of these projects because you invest years into them without ever seeing a a glimpse of payoff and then it all comes crashing down up (laughs) it all launches at once you know and and that's why it's such a it's such a, a a huge emotional thing i mean imagine having dedicated sometimes entire careers to something to then to then see it actually happen or not happen uh, it's emotionally the way, right? Oh no, absolutely, and and the emotion, you know, the emotions were really, really high as well. Yeah. Like any, any anyone involved in the project, the, the, one of the funny ones, we we obviously talked about what would happen if there was a, a you know a failure on the launch Worst pad and all those sort of things. Well, and testament. and yeah, and and. <laughs> Sheila could barely cope with it. She just couldn't. She couldn't even. <laughs> like, she don't couldn't, talk about it. <laughs> she just don't even talk. Just don't even talk oh. about it. It's like, but we've got to talk about. It. Yeah. What? And there's me going. It'd be really fun if it blows up on the launch pad and everyone's yeah. looking at me. No, I don't know. I never. I never said that. I you never said it. that. You just thought it. I just. I just thought. <laughs> no, I. I really. Well, I. Well, I really thoughts. was dreading like yeah. something horrible happening because it. Because obviously it puts a massive downer on the whole thing. I definitely wanted to be part of something that was yeah, successful and and and. And just you know, just awesome. So I, I, yeah, I, I think a disproportionate amount of time. I spend a disproportionate amount of time thinking about the Ariane Five maiden flight that failed. Was it ninety six? Mm. Just, oh, just that must have been so depressing. Noises. I don't have words. I'm just oh, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know absolutely. It must be. I mean, yeah. My heart really does go out to anyone. Who who's like yeah. on a space project and it blows up on the launch pad? But of course that that is going to happen. Yeah, you know yeah. that that happens. Or, or because... really any failure at any point from start to finish. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, you know, you get you get really odd ones like you know very expensive space telescopes that suddenly lose a reactor wheel and then so weird they're finished. Happens. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or they or you know they they try and correct and then the software's the wrong way, you know, a software yeah, update yeah, yeah. has somehow put it that they're correcting exactly in the opposite direction <laughs> to which they should be correcting yeah. and then it just tumbles tumbles and into, and smashes itself to pieces, you know. It, so, yeah, all all of the space is hard. It's, a, it's definitely yes. a hard thing. But but 
what what is amazing is just how much our lives are completely entwined with it. You know, we we talked about it loads on the podcast, but but this is a classic example that the the, the Europeans launch a lot of Earth observation satellites yeah. from from the European spaceport, and and they are incredibly important in Hugely. terms of under understanding like you know global Cli- warming climate change, yeah. change helping farmers get the best out of their crops yeah flood alerts helping in disaster relief helping in things like you know making sure that the that the planet is being run properly you know yeah. and it, it, forest you fires think, are, is usually relevant during during uh, yeah. uh, climate change heat waves it's almost annoying because i think a lot of people sort of perceive the rocket industry as somehow being a, you know Oh, it's 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 a rich man's game, or it's a yeah. or it's a waste of time, and it's like it it really isn't. You know, it's it's absolutely. We might not even know about global warming if yeah. it wasn't for our <laughs> fleet I mean, of space telescopes, I right? Mean, it's, Earth we're, not, we're not sending up empty rockets. The rockets have things in them. <laughs> I think a lot of people do watch rockets for rockets' sake. Yeah, but really, that the, the only thing they're about is getting a payload into space. When you see something like the Vega C when it was there, and and it's mm. a small rocket, but it's still massive. It's still pretty. <laughs> it's still it's small still pretty rockets. big. It's uh thirty five nearly meters through yeah. thirty four point eight. The best analogy for that, if you if you're trying to think of it, is the the top of the Statue of Liberty's head yeah. down to her toes. It's yeah. the same height, and it's the same weight. Oh God! So it's like and it flies. It, so, <laughs> and it flies, and and like most of that flying is is of course to carry its own weight. The the horribleness yeah. of the rocket equation, and you're just getting this beach ball sized object into space. It's an incredible achievement to do that. But yeah. I think sometimes people don't realise that even though we live in the modern world, the the physics hasn't changed. <laughs> the rocket equation is still the rocket equation. No, that's it. We, we've been going to space for less than a hundred years. We have not yeah. been to space for a very long time. We're still babies in, in learning how to do it. I think progress in space is slower than, say, progress with the internet or yes, mobile sure. phones or or anything digital. So it can be frustrating, I think. Yeah. Because it's just so hard. It's so hard to do. You know, yeah. <laughs> you have to build an, an entirely new rocket to yeah. get a cannonball slightly further up in orbit. <laughs> To, to do science, to, yeah. Well, well, you why know, it just <laughs> you. Well, yeah, you can understand why there's a you know a degree of skepticism in the public, but but Absolutely. these things are like massively important. You, you yeah, just, and you I mean, couldn't. if you if, if we we talk about like comparing progress in in let's say uh, digital communications, but we use satellites to do those things. So I mean, like, how how fast would progress be without the internet? <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, a classic example, of course, is global positioning. Exactly. And and the Europeans have their own Galileo system exactly. launched by launched by these European space agency rockets. The, Thank the Ariane you very Spas- much, European rockets. space agency. So, so, so you know it, and, and so we have our own independent global positioning system that, yeah. that enables us to do stuff. So it's, it's, it's not just the it's not just the progress of how good we are at doing space stuff, but it's also how much the space stuff allows us to do progress in in all kinds of fields. Yeah, well, there'd be no good. I mean, imagine life without Google Maps now. Am I young or am I old? I'm not sure. I'm I'm at this age where I kind of remember before the internet, and I'm pretty sure that it sucked. <laughs> but absolutely, <laughs> but I do remember being shouted at in the car 
when I wasn't able to read the map very well <laughs> because it was on paper and on my lap. So I think I prefer Google Maps. Yeah, I, I went to university when it was the World Wide Web. Before yeah. the World Wide Web, sorry. When it yeah. was just the internet. So you could just about connect to other universities yeah. uh, using <laughs> Kermit, I think it was called, and a DOS prompt. <laughs> and you could and you could maybe get some bits of Python programming, not even Python, it was Pascal that I was using. Yeah. That you could get vintage. some Pascal programming, vintage, proper vintage. <laughs> And I could get some Pascal programming down to write my voice synthesizer program. And, I mean, that's actually uh, yeah. really fun. <laughs> it was. Do you know what? It was really good. It was really good. It was good fun. But uh, yeah. it, it sounded like Stephen Hawking, the, my voice synthesizer program. How exciting. Yeah, it was. It was good. Um, but yeah, so I did that before the World Wide Web. The World, the World Wide Web search engines. Oh, my God going for a drive without google maps and having to look at an atlas or, a, or the a to z london a to z everyone had to have a copy of the a to z on them at all times so you knew where the <laughs> hell you were it was like unless you were unless you had the knowledge like like uh black cab black cab drivers right do black, they still, yeah, ha do they still have to memorize all the streets yeah they do it's the hardest exam in the world but wow. it seems really obsolete well now yeah <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it seems really like, why do they have to do it? And yeah. they insist that they do it without the sat-nav. It's like, but the sat-nav gives you traffic information exactly. as well. It's not just, yeah, I, don't get me started. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was an amazing experience. And yeah, there's there's loads about Vegasy on online. I'm not going to bore people with it. It was genius. It was genius. If people don't know, there is, there is a great Twitter account to follow if people are on Twitter. Um, if you follow Vega underscore STS for Space Transportation System, um, that is the best place to keep up to date with all your Vegasy news. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Yeah, talking of launches out of Europe's spaceport in mm. Kourou, a few, it was a couple of launches ago, the James Webb Space Telescope, it the JWST. Was. It's the best, I mean, it's one of the best space weeks ever. I mean, we could go into all the other launches <laughs> yeah. that were happening as well. It was absolutely nuts was for space week. And I was stuck in the Jupiter control room, like <laughs> sweating, <laughs> really jet lagged, et cetera, et cetera, while like the space space is going completely bananas. So uh, yes, so they, they released, and I was so blown away by the James Webb, space telescope pictures yeah. that they released in that they're week. incredible aren't they i wanted to throw up which is a good thing i loved it so much i felt a bit sick what's your favorite one what's, what was your favorite one <sighs> okay well you shouldn't ask me that because obviously i'm gonna say the uh the one that is the least sexy to the public which was this atmosphere uh transmission spectrum <laughs> um it's so great i mean this is to me this is relevant because this is exactly the kind of stuff that i work with except i work with ground-based um telescopes and something i've repeated before but i'll say it again until i'm blue in the face um the thing about space-based versus ground-based telescopes is that you do need both um, because there are pros and cons and to both of them. Um, and so with the uh, space-based telescopes like, Jam and like um, JW, then you do have um, the pro of not having that pesky atmosphere uh, annoying you uh, 
with its influence. Um, but with ground-based telescopes, you do have larger mirror sizes and then you get more photons collected kind of thing. Um, but the best of both worlds is if you happen to have a space-based telescope and a ground-based telescope that both look at kind of the same wavelength range and that they can then look at the same object and then you can see what they both uh, get and then you can compare those and then you can sort of minimize both of these drawbacks. Um, and that's exactly what's happening in my world. So I get <laughs> like free bonus stuff with JW and, and that's great. So this, um, this um, exoplanet spectrum that we saw, that was obviously the most exciting for me, but that was for selfish reasons. But honestly, I'm also a human being with eyeballs. And so... <laughs> Well, no. Let let me let me stop you before you go on to your next choice, because <laughs> okay. you were cor you were correct to say it that because this is this is the one that is what's the name of the planet Wasp ninety six B. I'm going to go as far as saying it's a hot Jupiter, isn't it? Yes, it's a hot gas giant. This is really close to its sun, isn't it? It orbits every three point four days, and it's the size yeah. of Jupiter. Exactly. This is the thing. That is whipping round yeah. faster than Mer way faster than Mercury. That yeah. that is going it's really fast. Lick. That is that's going super fast and it's yeah. extremely hot about a thousand degrees centigrade. So that is unbelievably hot. And what did we talk about? What did we talk about last month? We talked about hot exactly. Jupiter. Exactly. That's what so I was going to say. Was it was right on trend. Bang. Thank you Bibiana. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's so you you chose correctly there i think so but i mean yeah like a human with eyeballs the carina nebula image the the classic iconic let's say blue brown contrast like put it on my wall put it on my bed sheets put it on my face i love it it's it's so beautiful like as a painting it's beautiful um but it's it's just so humbling to see something that I mean, at least for me, you know, people that that spend a disproportionate amount of time looking a lot at space pictures, <laughs> like an image <laughs> that you already know, and then and then seeing it like this, it's like seeing your favorite musician live or something. It's like <laughs> you already know this, and then you're getting the improved experience. Oh, I could wax lyrical about it. It's it's just it's so great. This was the thing that I was thinking about for ages about James Webb. That mm. obviously it was going to be amazing for science. Yeah, we you know, knew that. As in it was, <laughs> it was going to get this amazing data. Mm. But it was only when I, when we had one of our guests on who was talking about the fact that maybe we should sort of wind a little bit back to the, the process of creating an image like this. Is yeah. normally when you take a picture, you're looking. There's sensors on your camera that picks up the red yeah. the green and the blue light right and it, and it, it does it across the whole red spectrum yeah. whole green spectrum whole blue spectrum right and it picks it up through filters like it would it like the the actual ccd or what or the cmos yeah. filter underneath would pick up the entire light spectrum but it it has like a, a filter over the top to, to, to filter out just that one particular light so you're looking at red green and blue and then you have an rgb image yeah. But with but with something like Hubble, it would take it and it would replace red, green, and blue with something more precise, which were these emission lines. So as certain gases heat up, they give off light in a very, very specific wavelength. Exactly. And then you can then you can map that wavelength. For example, hydrogen alpha yeah. would be, you map it to red normally. E exactly. And, yeah. and oxygen you would map to the blue. Precisely. Et cetera, et cetera. And then and then you would put that together and then you get an image that has a lot of detail in it. 
yep. more detail than you would see if you just took an RGB image of the same thing. Precisely. Now, the thing that I always used to think is maybe we would just see infrared images from James Webb, but it does the same thing. It takes emission lines. And so you can stack the picture yep. and map, map it against these various different colours. And so you can bring out all that amazing detail that you can on Hubble, except it's even more detailed and and goes to different wavelengths. So you can even combine Hubble data and James Webb data and have even more structural. It's all about eking out the structure of these things, isn't it? So you're, you're, you're trying to get to the structure of what's out there and you can see more structural detail that gives you clues into how it was made, what's actually going on, what, you know, what stars are doing what, you know, and what's actually out there. But it's also looks stunningly beautiful and pretty. Yeah. And so on a surface level, I just love it. On a surface level. Yeah. On a surface level, it kind of, it, it's, it's almost an exercise in science communication, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it tells a story that's incredibly compelling in terms of that's what's out in space. Yeah. You know, it, it, I always refer to these things of like the Taj Mahal in space, that if you could look up and see nebula with your eye, these are beautiful objects. You don't even need to leave your back garden to see the the, the Taj Mahal of objects in, uh, out in space. You can, you can do, you can take similar images, obviously nowhere near as good, (laughs) but you can take similar images with like a thousand pound camera and telescope setup. Less. Less than that. Yeah. You know, it's, you you know, if you've got a thousand quid, you can, you can take stunning images of 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 exactly. nebulas and, and and obviously James Webb Hubble takes it one step further and James Webb has taken even one step further. Bit more than but, a thousand pounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, bit a bit more uh, fifteen billion. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite it's, plus minus, <laughs> plus or minus. Yeah, but I think it is. I think I think it's really important that that science communication is there. That it's not just like you said. It would be quite hard to sell the fifteen billion on your your little. Graph on, on my about, yeah of um, uh, atmosphere <laughs> composition my, my little graph I think, <laughs> no but that is ultimately that is what it boils down to that's 100 percent it and i i think i assume um that is why they intelligently i may add released uh this range of of images the first images was actually a handful of images that really showed off uh its ability because then the people like me can get very excited about the science that's upcoming like the boring graph stuff but also there's these gorgeous images that can really dazzle you just just even visually i mean it's a big cloud we have clouds on earth people know what how smoke travels they have like Mm. an implicit sort of understanding of what this might what might it feel like to touch it? Like you, you can see it and, and relate to it in a way, you know? Funny you should say that, but I, I my personal experience with taking pictures of nebulas mm. using, you know, astrophotography sure. with my telescope and stuff was I would eke out the detail in these, in these nebulas by, you know, taking very long exposures and yeah. doing that doing that thing, I would have hydrogen alpha filters. I'd do yeah. the same thing as Hubble and use the <laughs> Hubble palette. Yeah. And I wonder if there'll be a thing called the James Webb palette as well, Probably. where where they, where they they find a way of making these pictures look as beautiful as possible. Yeah. But the but the one thing that it gave me was a, a, a real appreciation for clouds. I would actually start yeah. looking at, I'd actually start looking at clouds and seeing how they move and form and actually 
be like a bit like staring into a fire sometimes yeah. where you look into a into a fire and you're just transfixed by it I'd, I'd, I'd get I'd get that with clouds god that's so funny because I feel like that's been for me as well I think as I've gotten older I've, I've gotten a new interest in clouds what a weird hobby but you know <laughs> cloud, cloud but gazing yeah. cloud spotting meteorologists looking at clouds it must be really fascinating yeah. seeing them form and stuff but I guess you know for cosmologists it's I guess it's yeah. the same here right well this and is the thing so my for my third choice it would be this this deep field and I'll, I'll say something about that as well but I, I do think that the reason that okay the exoplanet one it's like my firstborn I have to say of course I love that the most because mm. it's relevant to my work but that's a boring side note as a human citizen who likes space uh, I'm, I'm really obsessed with this nebula image just because I do think that um this detailed nebula type images I mean I mean broadly not just this one that has always been a really good way of showing uh, space to people who who may not have a prior interest in space just because like dots on the sky like yes it's a star and it's very fascinating that it's exploding several however many times a second let's say um but this like the the, the sort of seductiveness of a smoky cloudy sort of gas thing people i don't know mm. i think people do have a, a a sort of association with that that is closer to everyday experiences uh, am mm. i making sense maybe i'm just rambling no, no, no. I to I, to I totally agree with that. I'm going to say my favourite was the was a disappointing at first. Mm. Not disappointing. I'm not going to say it was disappointing. Careful it definitely now. wasn't disappointing. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. It was. It wasn't my favourite at first. But the yeah. more I get into the deep field one, yeah. The more the the more I I because you look at it and a the the, the one that I like to talk about is the fact that all the ones with the six spikes on them, yeah. Are, are stars in our own galaxy, right? So, yeah. so you've got very bright objects that have these spikes coming off them, and that's that's caused by the shape of the mirrors, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's got six spikes because you've got these mirrors that, that that create that pattern. So, you'll be able to tell that it's a James Webb telescope picture classic because of that. Because, <laughs> because it'll be it'll, yeah, it'll become classic because it's got that that particular yeah. amount uh, amount of spikes coming off. But all anything that gives a spike like that is a star within our own galaxy. So it's only a few it's only a few light years away, hundreds or thousands of light years. But then everything else is millions it's or billions, billions of light years away. And then and then you sort of look at some of that stuff. But what's really brilliant about it is how much gravitational lensing is going on. Where you yeah. see the, where you see well basically you see lots of galaxies and remember each of those galaxies is billions of stars in each one. <laughs> Just billions upon well hundreds of billions in each one and you're looking at them and then you look deeper and deeper and then there's these ones that are all stretched out and that's yeah. because they're being bent around all the gravity that's that's in front of it exactly. and, and, and being lensed in a bizarre way. And, and so you get all these weird streaks that look like photographic artifacts, but they're not at all. They're, they're, they're actual gravitational they're lenses. They it's are crazy. real from massive objects between us and the and the object that's being measured. It's just and then, then you get very tiny red dots that when you zoom in, are galaxies that are 13 billion oh years my, old. My Twitter feed and, has been going crazy <laughs> over these. Yeah. And they've managed to measure the spectrum of those, those <laughs> the, the spectrum of light from those galaxies. So they know what they're made of 
13.3 billion years. And that's already stuff that's coming off James Webb Telescope. It's and been it's, like... It's hasn't been, like, been up. Yeah, exactly. This was like... Uh, it's been working a few weeks exactly, and it's already pouring out this stuff. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, if I was a cosmologist oh right now, I would be... I would be... I'm only losing my mind like 75%, but I would be 110%. I saw a really good... Um, um, analogy for for these really really old galaxies um I'll, I'll it it was it was hold on i'm actually gonna get the name of the person who said it just to properly credit them um i saw a tweet by um someone who's called uh, juan carlos muñoz who is eso the media officer for eso the european southern observatory um and they made a, a, a really good comparison that I hadn't heard before that I'm 100% stealing. Um, and he pointed out this thing where we say we're looking back in time when we're looking at these really old galaxies, right? Um, but he pointed out that if you've ever seen a picture of, say, a, one of your grandparents when they were young, then it's not a photo of an old person, right? It's an old photo of a young person. Right? You're not looking back in time. You're just seeing a, a picture that was taken long ago, or in this case, light from a long time ago, showing a young person as they were at that point. And so an image of a very distant galaxy, it's not showing an old galaxy, but it's just old light coming from a young galaxy. I thought that was a really good yeah. way of putting it. I had never thought of it that way, but but it is true. And so these really old ones... All these really, yeah. really, 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 really old galaxies. It's, it's, we're only just getting breaking news, black and white photos of your grandma <laughs> sort of in the post. If you think about the technology that's involved here, with the fact that you've got this heat shield on there, yeah. the thing's cryogenically cooled down, you've got this enormous mirror, you've got these hypersensitive sensors. Yeah. And it's looking at an object that's 13.3 billion yeah light years away yeah i mean that's so many miles you can't even write it down i couldn't even say it because it's, it's, it's preposterous <laughs> yeah the, the the distance is astronomical quite literally <laughs> uh, it's it's so far away but the crazy thing is like james webb is seeing in heat it's essentially seeing in yeah, heat energy yeah, yeah. isn't it it's and and so what you're actually what james webb is actually feeling is the heat from that galaxy yeah it's actually, it's actually, it's like going near a radiator and holding your hands near the radiator and feeling the heat coming off yeah. the radiator a little bit away from the radiator. James Webb is actually is feeling that heat off that galaxy. God, it's so stupid when you when you think about it. Yeah, and so this little photon has travelled for thirteen point three billion, billion years, yeah. and it's travelled. It's not hit anything. It's not hit anything all the way until it's hit the mirror Bonk. of James Webb <laughs> Space Telescope and, and, and was registered there. And enough of those have hit. Like, that's it. That's happened for millions of those photons. <laughs> and James Webb has been able to sort of see a picture of it in enough detail to kind of say, yeah, it's made of uh, this amount of oxygen, this amount of, uh, of carbon. And it's just bonkers. Are we allowed it's to do in- this? Like as humans, I feel like this should be illegal or something. I feel like <laughs> we're yeah. too good. Was this ever part of the plan? <laughs> I have to say that 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 has to go down as something that as a human race, we should be unbelievably proud of ourselves. Absolutely. Let's face it, 
dolphins, however <laughs> ace they are, they have not done this. They've just not done Ex this. Where are your and thumbs, guys? Yeah, and neither of octopuses and neither have crows None or of chimps. Them. They're all very good animals and cats have not even come close. They don't, they haven't even tried. They haven't even tried. Yeah. They haven't even tried to do that. So we've got rockets that get the James Webb there in the first place. Yeah. Blumming difficult. And then you've got building James Webb. Then you've got the scientists and the data analysis and the statisticians and the international team of scientists who who actually look at that data. Then you've got the people that make these beautiful images. Then you've got the people in the press who get those images out to people and explain them, et cetera, et cetera. The human race is amazing. An international collaboration is amazing. And that's that's the only way you can do something like that. So many nations involved in that. It's just ridiculous. Just that one picture. I love us. Ma I love humans. Yeah. What a great note amazing. to end on. It is a great note <laughs> to end on. Thanks very much for joining me again, Lynn. Sorry to have bothered on about my amazing experience in uh, Karoo. Oh, but, no, you know. I hated hearing about something that I'm deeply passionate <laughs> and interested in. Please never do it again. <laughs> uh, right, I'm, I'm, it just leaves me to thank the patrons. That's Paul Hilton, Bob Hodges, Bob Moore, Malta Keisling, Alden Vala, Rob Annabel, Mark Schoen, Marissa Davis, Nicholas Gillenstein, Ben Guthrie, Ronald Hatcher, Neil Hansen, Tyrrell McAllister, Tupper High, Jacob Economy, Jean Watchtanik, Mark Huber, Kenton Hokanson, Seth Haberline, Adam French, Jim King, Steve Croucher, and Mark Kelly. Thank you very much. This would be impossible without you. And thanks to all the other patrons out there as well who make this show possible. You are legends and spodcats. You're listening to the Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. What are you up to, Lynn, this month? So this month, um, I've just come back from doing some conferences in person. Very exciting. Uh, where I was presenting some mm -hmm. of my work. And uh, now it's summer, which for academics means like get, setting yourself a huge to-do list and being like, oh, well, it's summer. I have so much time. I'm going to do all these things. And then suddenly it's it's July or August and you're like, oh, never mind. I did none of those things. <laughs> and then term starts and the roller coaster starts again. My term hasn't even ended and oh. then it will start again. I oh, know. Oh, no. Yeah. Hopefully oh. I'll have some exciting news coming up over the next few months. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Exciting. <laughs> right, um, that's it. I'm going to leave the Spodcats. Bye, bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.